0: You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Ribbon Podcast. It's amazing how little effort it takes on our part to be such a huge blessing in someone's life. Amen. And I want to say thank you to all of you that helped to pull this off and to make this a reality. Uh, what an incredible thing. And I need to let you know, just like that video ended with, your dollar makes a difference. And if that concept to you is kind of new and you're new to Trace, you don't even know what that means. About a month ago, we started this thing called the Dollar Club. And the dollar club is us asking you to bring a dollar above and beyond uh, every single week of what you normally would give. And we're gonna, t- we actually have already created a new fund where we take that money. So if four to 500 adults uh, show up here today at Trace, we'll take however many adults and we'll take a dollar per person, put it into that fund. Uh, which means if you don't bring your dollar, we're gonna be under budget by about $2,000 every month, just so you know that. Um, but we expect you to bring that because we want to do things like this, because your dollar can make a difference. I want to read to you something that one of the teachers at Mark Twain said. She said, I'm a teacher at Mark Twain, and I want to thank you all so much. Our teachers lounge looks amazing. I've been at Twain for 20 years, 20 years, and no one has ever done anything like this for us. It was such a great surprise, and all the teachers loved it. Thanks again for all the staff, from all the staff at Twain. Your dollar It makes a difference. I do want to say thank you, especially to those of you that served and helped to pull off this project, but a special shout out to Shelly and Brad Costin, who went above and beyond to make this happen and put so many hours in. Well, guys, if you remember last week, uh, we kicked off this two-week series called Grid, and i let you know, like I gave you a heads up that I was going to be specifically talking to the men of our church. And even though I was going to be talking to the men of our church, this series was for everyone. And so, fellas, last week we determined that a man, he grows in responsibility. He grows in intentionality. A man grows in tenacity. We grow in responsibility because as men, we do have a unique type of influence. It doesn't make us any better than women whatsoever, but it does require that we lead the way in both sacrifice and in service, just like Jesus did. And to not recognize this unique influence that God has given us would be irresponsible. We talked about how if we want to leverage this unique influence to make the greatest impact, that we were going to have to be intentional with it. Because what we say, men, what we say and how we say it, it matters. And what we do and how we do it, it matters. Which leads us to what we're going to talk about today, which is the last piece of this puzzle, which is tenacity. Because when it comes to the battles that matter the most in our lives, it's going to take some tenacity. Tenacity. It's going to take some grit. And, fellas, it's going to take a fight. Last week, we asked this question right here, what is the measure of a man? And if we were to answer that honestly, I really believe the answers to that would be multifaceted. But I think to a great extent, the measure of a man is his willingness to stay in the fight, especially in the battles that matter the most. And, guys, we would be foolish to think that we could do this, that we could win the battles that matter the most in our lives by fighting those alone. It's going to take God. It's going to take some other guys pursuing God with us and it's going to take some grit. So here's what I want to do today. Today I want to look at two specific areas of our lives, men, where I believe we need to win the battle. And not only do we need to win these particular battles, but we need to win them decisively. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at two particular areas of our life. I want to look at the areas of our pride and purity. Now, last week, if you were here, you knew that I mentioned how we were going to look at three areas, but as I was putting this sermon together, there's no way I'm going to be able to get to all three areas. So the other, the third battle that we would have talked about would have been passivity. Now, if you're a fellow that signed up for our men's retreat, 73 guys signed up, by the way, for our men's retreat, which is, yeah, this is incredible. Excited about that. So... If uh, you're one of the gentlemen who actually signed up for that retreat, I'll be talking about passivity when we're up there, so you'll get some bonus material. Now, before we jump into these two battles, I think there's something that I need to do to preface our conversation, because, fellas, let me give you a heads up, I'm going to get in your face today. I'm going to get in your face. But before I do that, I think I should probably remind us of something that I touched on last week, because when it comes to the areas of pride and purity, it's likely that you've had some failures. It's likely that some of you are currently compromised in a sin. And so before we get into what we're going to talk about, I want to remind you that your failure, it's not final. And that your failure is not a permanent condition. And if our failures are not a permanent condition, then we got to be careful that we don't use our failures as a filter as we look into the future of how effective that we can be. Now, in the same breath, I also don't want you to become dismissive about your failures, because that would also be unhealthy, that would also make you less effective as a man, because listen to me guys, I think you know this, but anytime that we're disobedient to God, there is carnage and there are consequences, but through Jesus Christ there is also forgiveness. I met with some guys this week and had some conversations, and for those of you that stepped out in boldness and in courage, Uh, I want to say thank you. Thank you for being bold and thank you for being courageous and revealing some things that were really happening in your life. And in one particular conversation, there was a gentleman that after we talked for a little bit, he said, I just need to know that God still loves me. Despite everything that I've done, I just just need to know that God still loves me. And so if that question is echoed by anyone else in this room, I want to say to him and I want to say to you with a resounding yes, an emphatic yes, God still loves you. Let me read to you from Romans 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us loves, loves us if we, now Paul gives a list of things there, but I want you to fill in that blank. Does it mean that God will no longer love me if I, go ahead, whatever you need to do, fill in your blank there, Every, your worst sin, your biggest failure, your greatest regret, put it there. And then let me show you what he says says next in verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. You know what that means? It means the grace of God will meet you, And love you and forgive you just as he finds you today. But the truth of God also loves you enough to not leave you where you're at. Which is why God has given us everything that we need to fight the battles that he knows that we're going to consistently face. God has given us everything that we need, men, to do what he has asked us to do. And that leads us to our main text for today in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's what Paul says. So, If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, quick caveat to this particular passage, because this is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. A lot of people have mistranslated, misquoted this verse to say, God won't give you more than you can handle. But God never said that. And just to give you a heads up, in the future, we're going to do a series called God Never Said That. And it's actually really important Uh, that you know that God never said that, because what if you're on the other end of someone saying, well, God will never give you more than you can handle, so what if you feel like, but I don't think I can handle this? Does that make you weak? Does that make you less of a Christian, less of a man, less of a woman even? No, and God never said that. God actually said he'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, but when you are, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So let's look at the first part to that passage. It says this, so if you think you're standing firm, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common, what is common to mankind. Our first battle, men, is pride. Now we all struggle with this to some extent, don't we? I mean, even this past week I was working out with some of the young punks on the staff and I was... I was pushing weight that I never should have been pushing, and I ended up jacking up my rotator cuff. And so, uh, oh, wait a minute, we got a question? Who, the, is, who is lifting the most? Who, like, I typically don't take questions, but what was that you said? Who was lifting the most? Yep. Who, now, it, it wasn't about that, Ross, but if, since you're asking, uh, it was me. Um, pride. 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 All of us have our own chunk of pride, but there could be some signs that you struggle with this more than the average guy. Maybe you don't ever ask for feedback. Maybe you don't ever ask for help. Maybe you dismiss the struggle altogether. Maybe you're already excusing yourself from this conversation because you think, hey, this is for other guys. This isn't for me, even though Paul says it's common. It's common to mankind. I want to pick on some of you in this room, guys, that Maybe uh, your sign of pride is that you make statements like this. I don't mind sharing my opinion. I, I don't mind telling people. I don't mind telling him or her what I think. Yeah, you have pride if you ever make statements like that. And some of you are sitting next to him right now. Hey, this is a no elbow zone this morning, so no elbowing as we talk through this. But guys, listen to me. If that's you, if you've ever found yourself making statements like that, let me remind you, it's not a gift from God that you can tell people what you think because oftentimes nobody cares what you think. Just because you, sh- you, ha- you have a- the freedom inside of you and you have maybe the boldness to share your opinion doesn't mean that everybody wants to hear your opinion. And the reason I can pick on you is because this used to be me. And one of the best pieces of advice that I think I've ever been given in this area, and I'll give this to you if this happens to be a struggle for you, is that um, what if you asked a mentor of mine did this for me a while ago. He actually, he, he kind of called me out first. He said, Aaron, you share your opinions too much. And he said, so what I want you to do is I want you to start asking three questions before you ever insert an opinion. I want you to ask three questions before you ever insert an opinion. Because by asking three questions first, that is putting yourself in a posture of humility to receive feedback or to receive more insights or more information or somebody else's perspective before you ever offer your opinion. It was one of the best exercises that I've ever put in place to to battle against my pride. But some of you may be hearing this and you're thinking to yourself, well, all of this sounds somewhat elementary, And I would agree. But there's a layer to our pride, men, that digs a little bit deeper. And because it digs a little bit deeper, it also makes it more dangerous. There's a layer to our pride, fellas, that could even limit God's power at work in our life. This is why the scriptures warn so many times against it. In Proverbs chapter 16, Solomon says, First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Fellows, have you ever put yourself in a position where you wish you could take your words back? You ever been in one of those situations that you spoke too quickly and you allowed your pride to get the best of you, but the harm was already done? There was carnage to your words, and you couldn't take them back. In the New Testament, we see both Peter and James quote from the same proverb, and we almost never see this any other time in the New Covenant. They, act, they, they Excuse me. Peter and James actually quote from the same proverb when it's concerning our pride. Peter says it this way in First Peter chapter 5. He said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. James says it this way, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. And then he says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's as if us checking our pride is a weapon that helps us to fight the enemy. So, gentlemen, in other words, if we don't check our pride, then we're going to be a more sensitive prey to the enemy, who's often referred to as a lion. One time, Emily and I were walking out of uh, a big ministry event at the church that we were a part of down in Arizona, (laughs) and we're walking out of this event, and at the time, Jonathan is two, and Lily's four, and those were our only two kids at the time, and Jonathan decides, uh, again, at two years old, he's going to get up on this curb, this concrete curb, and he's going to walk on it, and it wasn't too much time after that that he ends up falling, and uh, you know this, parents, like, we heard the cry, and it's like, that's not that serious of a cry, so we know it's not that big of a deal, and so we decided to kind of ignore it, but Lily, our four-year-old, decided to say this in front of hundreds of people as we're all exiting the church. Lily decides to say, aren't you going to help your son? What kind of parents are you? (laughs) Kids know how to surface our pride, don't they? And so we did what any good parent would do. We we told everybody around us who was staring at us, those those aren't our kids. Those (laughs) Those are not our kids. Gentlemen, you know what pride says? Pride says, I got this, I don't need any help. I'm not like most men. Which is also why pride is a big reason many men find themselves, even today, living in isolation. And fellas, it's really hard, I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but it's really hard to find transformation when we're living in isolation. This is why I believe so many men are finding breakthroughs on the other end of confessing something that is actually going on in their lives because in that moment they're overcoming their pride and they're breaking out of their isolation. And when they stop hiding, and when you stop hiding, you can actually start to heal, which is exactly what James says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working in us. Pride, pride puts limits on God's power in our life. Some of us need to step into the fight this morning against pride because it is keeping us from experiencing God's power. Because listen to me, guys, you don't got this. You do need help, and you aren't that special. And if you think that you can stand firm by standing alone, you're foolish because you can't do it. I've tried. Gentlemen, pride is a battle. And if our pride is leading us to hide, and if we can't hide and heal at the same time, then we have to get over ourselves and confess. Maybe we need to confess something and admit that we need to step into this battle. And we don't need to step in, in, into it alone. We need to invite other guys to do it with us because it's going to take God, it's going to take other strong guys, and it's going to take grit. Are there any real men among me this morning that would be willing to admit that they need to start fighting pride more tenaciously this morning? Anybody? Keep your hands up. God, I pray through the courage of these men raising their hands in this moment that you would give us what we need. And Lord, if we are standing in isolation that you would remind us that that is never how you called us to step into the battles that we will consistently face. And so God, I pray that you give us courage where we need it. First, that we, are, that we recognize the fact that we need to battle this more in our lives and that we need to stop trying to do it alone. And if there's something that we're hiding from, Lord, that you would give every man in this room at least one other man that he feels comfortable of confessing what's really happening in his life so he can stop hiding and begin healing from whatever it is that the enemy is probably using to hold him back. Pray this in Jesus' name, everybody said. Battle number two is purity. And gentlemen, when it comes to the battles that matter the most in our lives as men, we're losing this one. We're losing this one. I want to read to you some statistics from a website called Covenant Eyes, and if this is a particular struggle for you, then I would encourage you to go check out this website later. There's a lot of incredible tools on this website that you could take, but let me read to you some statistics to get this conversation started. One in five mobile searches are for pornography. 64% of Christian men say they look at porn at least once a month. 57% of teens search out porn at least monthly. 51% of male students and 32% of female students first viewed porn before their teenage years. Their first exposure to pornography among men is 12 years old on average. 71% 71% of teens hide online behavior from their parents. A 2016 study on Canadian adolescents showed that 45.3% admitted to problems in erectile dysfunction. Now, if I had time, I would talk to you more about this, and I'm going to be graphic on purpose. But I think this has become a huge tool of the enemy, specifically in marriage. Because we're supposed to have incredible sex in marriage, and maybe you've never thought about of it this way, but when we have sex when we're married, it's covenant renewal. Because that's how how God describes the covenant that you make with your wife and with your husband. When you have sex, that is the covenant that you're making with one another. So when we come back and we have sex with our husband or our wife, it's covenant renewal. And porn, if it's keeping you from getting it up, obviously is becoming a huge stumbling block to one of the things that is keeping you from covenant renewal in your marriage. That is a huge deal. I don't have time to get into it, maybe another time. 68% of divorce cases involved one party meeting a new lover over the internet. Fifty percent, 56% involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 46% of people uh, do not view porn as being harmful to society. Last one, 80% of men, this is all of them, all of us, not just Christian men, 80% of men between ages 18 and 30, look at porn monthly. You know why I hesitated sharing these stats? Because there's a small fear inside of me that leads me to believe that stats like these normalize the problem. There's a small fear inside of me that a a man may hear that information this morning and see, (laughs) all guys struggle with this. Of course I look at porn like every other guy does please pay attention to what I say next, it's as if the commonality of the struggle leads to the complacency of the sin. Don't we all understand that whether or not something is common bears no weight on whether or not we should remain convicted? Can I say it again? Don't we all understand that whether or not something is common bears no weight on whether or not we remain convicted? Need I remind us of what became normal and common between the years of 1941 and 19? 45, when Nazi Germany decided to eradicate 6 million Jews, two-thirds of the Jewish population in Europe were murdered. Now, by no means am I trying to compare pornography to what happened in these concentration camps. I'm simply pointing to the fact that history has shown us that the path of popular opinion does not equate to what is best for humanity. And if there is any man in this room that is disengaged from this fight, has disengaged from this battle because it's just normal, Can I get in your face this morning and tell you to re-engage? Because porn is contaminating your life. Porn is contaminating your heart. Jesus Jesus specifically points this out in one of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 when he says, blessed are the pure in heart. And the Greek word that he uses for pure here is katharos. And catharos is the same word that he uses or is used other times in Scripture when it talks about blacksmiths and how they're refining the metal as they're hammering out the, the, the contaminants of the metal so they can refine it, make it as pure as possible. Blessed are those who don't contaminate their heart. Blessed are those who don't contaminate their heart, for they will see God. This is why Solomon says, guard your heart, fellas, Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So stay with me. If purity determines my ability to see God, and if porn is contaminating my heart, and if what I'm filling my heart with determines the course of my life, wouldn't it be asinine to not take this battle seriously? But God is faithful. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Gentlemen, you know what temptation is? Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of being obedient to God. And porn may give us some immediate gratification, but it's not of God, and therefore nothing good will come from it but can I remind us all of the goodness of God this morning? Because he's faithful. And so it's possible that you're in here this morning and you're struggling with this right now, potentially even feeling stuck. And so I want to remind you this morning that God is faithful. And because he's faithful, he's given you a way out. And I want to remind you of his goodness because it it's incredible what he's done for us to help us to face these battles. The first thing I want to remind you of is that he's given us his promised Holy Spirit. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been promised that there's nothing that we'll ever, we'll ever be faced with, there's nothing that will ever be put in front of us, that we won't have the power to overcome. It doesn't mean we won't always have that temptation, men, but we will have the power to overcome it. But he's also given us one another. This is why it's so important that we don't face these battles alone. We need one another to face these battles. But I also want to tell you something really quick. Maybe you've never thought of this or never heard this. But there's something that God has also done when it comes to physiologically how he made us. Because when he made us, and specifically when he made our brains, he allowed for something called, that scientists now call neuroplasticity. And Let me geek out with you for a second because I think you'll appreciate this. So he gives us his Holy Spirit, the power to overcome temptation. He's given us one another to strengthen our resolve. And the way he created your brain is actually going to help you to overcome this particular struggle. Neuroplasticity says this. Neuroplasticity says your brain has the ability to kill off certain things and rewire itself to go to something different. Here's where they kind of discovered this. When someone has a stroke... They, let's say they lose the function, because a part of their brain dies when they have a stroke, part of their, let's say they lose the function of their left arm. Now, for those of you that have any idea, you know, about um, medicine or rehab or things like that, you can actually train your brain to use your left arm again, but it won 't use the part that it once used because that part literally died, so what has to happen is the brain rewires itself around the dead portion of the brain to learn how to use the left arm again here's what they 've discovered when it comes to addiction, whether it's of a substance or whether it 's of pornography. When you go back to the stimulus so let' use, brain, let's use well, i'm sorry let's use pornography in this context because it 's the most relevant. When you keep going back to look at pornography, you get a stimulus, and your brain likes that because you 're getting shots of dopamine and other Uh, neurotransmitters that make you feel good, right? That little bit of elation that makes you want to go back to it because of how you feel. But scientists have proven that if you will stop going back to the source, if you will stop going back to the stimulus that's feeding that, after a long enough period of time, that part of your brain will die. And you can learn to replace it by going to a different source or filling it with new and healthier habits that will allow you to maybe not get the same... You know, type of elation, but nonetheless, we'll give you some new stimulus. God has created us physiologically to be able to overcome this because he is faithful. And when you are tempted, and when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Fellas, I want to close by saying this. If we want to win the battles that matter the most in our lives we must stay in the fight and when it comes to our pride and when it comes to purity we must win these battles and we must win them decisively and not just for us not just for us and not even just for our families but listen to me for the young men that are coming up behind us there's a whole generation of young men coming up behind us and they have obstacles unlike many of us have ever seen. With that little device called a smartphone, they literally have porn in their pocket. Porn in their pocket anytime they want to access it. Gentlemen, yes, there are times as we speak into these young men's lives and we show them an, an example of what it means to be a man of grit, a man that's willing to grow in responsibility, grow in intentionality, and grow in tenacity. There are times where we need to be transparent we need to be vulnerable we need to let them know we, we need to let them to see our battle wounds the fact that we didn't always get this right but here's what i'm noticing and this is going to be a little bit offensive and i'm okay with it there are too many young men growing up without a man to look at that is it is winning the battles that matter the most There's too many men, young men that are coming up that don't have a man in front of them that has been victorious, that can pave the way out of experienced wisdom of staying in the battle to to win the battles that matter the most, to show them out of experienced wisdom, this is how you do it. But it's not too late, because God is faithful. And I don't care how many times you have failed up until today. I'm asking you to step into this fight, maybe unlike you ever have. Not just for you, not even just for your family, but so that we can pave the way for this next generation to show them this is how it looks to fight like a man. God is faithful. Everybody say faithful. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. I want to end today with the same way that we ended last week. And I'm not going to ask that you stand up if you have a particular struggle. All I'm going to ask is, if you're a man in this room that is willing to step into this fight to win the battles that matter the most, no matter what that battle is, would you stand to your feet this morning? And, fellas, I want to remind us that God has given us everything that we need to do what he's asked us to do. And if you're standing alone You're not standing firm. And so I want to encourage you to begin to invite other men into your life to stand with you, to face these battles together. If you need to confess something, I want you to have the boldness and the courage to do it. If you need to do that through an email to me this week, that's fine. Whatever that avenue looks like, you just got to get that crap out. And gentlemen, I want you to stop thinking so much about yourself. And I want you to start thinking about the importance of winning these battles and being victorious in these battles so that we can pave the way through experienced wisdom for this next generation of young men who need an example to look to because they deserve it. And so I'm going to pray for all of us this morning and invite God to do what only he can do. So, Father, I pray in this moment, God, that you would strengthen us with a resolve That you would remind us that you have given us everything that we need to do what you have asked us to do. And for the men in this room that are currently compromised in one of these sins. That are currently compromised. God, I pray that you would allow them to hang on to hope that it is not too late, I don't care what they've done, and you don't care what they've done, and it's not a dismissive statement, it's not that you're dismissing it, because our sin causes carnage, and it causes consequences, but Father, you can take their failure, and you can reshape it as growth, and so Father, we invite you in here to help each and every one of us to take a step of boldness in whatever direction that we need to take that step and God, that you would remind us of your word, you would remind us of the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us, that is able to do immeasurably more than what we could ever ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. And that we would open our lives to you in a deeper and more meaningful way than maybe that we ever have and that we would begin to fight as men. And so God, would you help us? Because we need it. We can't do this alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.